Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. And today I am joined by guest Prashant Balad. Prashant, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, uh, Jonathan. It's a pleasure uh, to speaking with you. Yeah, it's great to have you. So before we get started, for folks who haven't heard your name before, could you tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay. Um, uh, my name is Prashant uh, and my niche is uh, software QA testing. Uh, I've worked in this, in this industry for 18 plus years. Uh, so and for last four years, I have been like helping uh, SaaS uh, owners to to eliminate QA pains. And and before that, for fourteen years, I have been like working with multinationals like British Telecom and Morgan Stanley. And 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 with that experience, I'm I'm bringing that to the startup world so that uh, uh, we can have more world class products uh, uh, for the masses. Great, I love it. Um, okay, so. Uh, a question came up in Slack that uh, I've got here written down. Let's see. It's um, here's the question or the story. Uh, you wrote, "We perform ongoing QA activities like testing, creating automated tests, breaking the app, etc. We do the above for requirements that are planned per two weeks iteration slash sprint." For the current client, I have been billing like an average of 200 hours per month based on the features to test. Some of the features testing, some of the feature testing does get complicated in the same month and a few are carried over to the next month. I can't estimate what features my team would test in the coming month, hence I am not able to derive a success metric. Can you please suggest how to calculate a success metric for this situation so that I can move to value-based pricing month-on-month -month basis? Okay, so there's a couple of things going on here that I wanted to, uh, they're a little nuanced and tough to answer in Slack. So here you are on the show, so we could talk about it. Um, can Is there any, uh, do you think that's sufficient background or is there any any more that you would add? I think that is sufficient, uh, unless you have any like questions on that. No, I think, I, I think I've got the picture. So <laughs> a couple of, couple of points come to mind. The first one is that on a month to month basis, when it sounds like the scope is sort of fluctuating, I wouldn't be doing it. I wouldn't be doing value pricing every month for an ongoing, whatever you want to call this. It's sort of like, uh, it's a little bit like, uh, well, I don't know. You could call it a bunch of different things. I mean, you're doing implementation type stuff, but it's on the QA side. So it's not like you're building features. So it's a little bit like implementation, a little bit like a productized service, a little bit like a retainer. Um, it's a lot like an insurance policy. So in one sense, you could, I wouldn't set, if, if you were going to value price an engagement like this, I wouldn't do it on a month to month basis. I would deliver the service on a, you know, just ongoing way, but I would set a success metric for the, a project. So in this particular engagement, is there some, is there some upcoming release or uh, like a particular milestone that could be reached that you were brought in to help them achieve? Or is it just like, they're just going to keep having you do this forever. Uh, right. So uh, uh, the uh, so so these both cases which you just identified, it is true. So there are times uh, when there is a, a like a very very uh, well planned release, right? But like 50, 70 percent of the times, uh, it it, uh, it does hap uh, happen that those uh, those releases uh, can get stretched okay uh, right uh, so uh, what i mean by that is 
uh, is that uh, like uh, like most of the uh, uh, like startup companies for whom I have been uh, working, I, I've seen this uh, issue where uh where uh, where they have problems right from the requirement stages okay okay uh, then the, the things gets uh, get on delayed delayed and and when it comes to the Q, uh, actual qa testing team the, the where me and my team come into the uh, picture uh we have to do uh, a lot of rework okay and 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 this rework cannot be uh, uh easily estimated or, or or perfectly estimated so uh, uh, for 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 some for some of the companies or or some of the projects, it could be like uh, we we are retesting three times. Uh, uh, in fact, I had an experience uh, like uh, a few months back where we we retested uh, what like fifteen or sixteen times. So 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 that's this uh, spe- uh, spectrum of, of the rework. So uh, uh, so as you said, uh, it uh, 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 the, the the work just keeps on going for for weeks and and probably for for, for few months mm-hmm. right and for for companies which are like uh, have 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 well planned requirements right so there uh, it is not an issue for them if if say like 30th october is a, is the release date then then it's a release date uh, 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 it they will make it happen and or there or uh, for, for such type of projects yes i can say that that i i'm in more control of uh, estimating the uh, the project or the things and then probably derive an, a number mm-hmm. but not in the uh, in the other way and, and in startup world like 70 or 80% it, uh, it, uh, uh, it is a bit chaotic mm-hmm. unless and until you you are working for for like 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 meta or amazon mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, so it sounds it sounds like what I'm interpreting from that is that when you say for the companies that have a good requirements set up at the beginning, you can do an, an estimate of how much work it's going to be in a reasonably accurate fashion that would allow you to give a fixed price. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that is uh, correct, like like theoretically, but 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 what defines that 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 everything is in order? Okay. Mm-hmm. what happens uh, uh the, the the product owner or the one who writes the requirements they said the requirement what they have written uh, are, are sufficient but but as the uh, development phase come into the picture so mm-hmm. with each passing day people realize okay you know this is not working this is missing uh, or, or uh, even this cycle happens during the uh, testing phase at, uh, as well so uh uh so uh so, so uh uh okay so what you're telling me is that there's uncertainty and it's so much uncertainty that that around the scope that yeah. you're uncomfortable committing to a particular price for it yeah yeah so uh in the startup world like 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 i have like uh, one or two clients who who, who who are very very particular uh and and and, and these Clients have have their own products, but 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 uh, but, but the difference which I have seen is that these uh, founders or owners they have come up uh, come from like uh, working at uh, established uh, MNCs or, or firms where, where they have gone through the experience of 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 planning things in in a better way. So mm-hmm. so, so those are uh, uh, like easy uh, customers for me where probably I can like. 
do value based pricing but but not for other founders who who, who doesn't have that experience mm-hmm. probably that's sure. the thing yeah yeah and that that's an approach is to just work with ideal buyers you know the, yeah, yeah. it's like finding enough of them is a trick but there's so much easier to work with that it allows you to um do your best work more easily and not be be sort of thrashing with someone who's not seasoned and is just throwing spaghetti against the wall trying to see what sticks so that i mean one approach would be to niche down on a particular you know a target a seasoned target market so like people who have experience but leaving that aside what we're really talking about here is that there's too much uncertainty you feel like there's too much uncertainty to give a, a fixed project price for some of these scenarios <clears throat> and when i hear that usually the the general advice doesn't work in every case but the general advice is to do a road mapping phase phase first or some kind of paid diagnostic where in the sales interview you you determine whether or not the uh, buyer or the startup founder whoever you determine whether or not they are one of these organized experience types or one of these disorganized inexperienced types and you suggest uh, the appropriate next step so you know, I have some students who refuse to work with anyone without a paid diagnostic first. Like even if, even if in the sales meeting, they're like, oh, you, you might not need it, but I'm going to do it anyway. And if you don't want it, then we're not going to work together. So that would be what, you know, and what's the point of that? The point is to reduce uncertainty so that you can give them a better quote for the project. Uh, another thing that's popping into my mind is that you're clearly basing your it sounds like it sounds pretty clearly that you're basing your prices on the scope and not on the value currently even with these organized uh, organized founders that have a pretty good the product people who have a you know a disciplined approach uh, because you wouldn't care about the scope if you were worried more about the value the scope would come later you wouldn't worry about that in the pricing phase which is kind of mind-blowing for most people but um let me ask this question. Okay, let's start here. Is the have you explored doing road mapping with any clients like doing a paid diagnostic or report or some kind of kind of uh, QA plan or architecture or something like that which maybe take you generally these sorts of things take 10 or 20 hours, you know, any, really anywhere from 5 to 20 hours across the course of 2 to 6 weeks and you just charge X dollars for it, 2,000, 5,000, whatever. And you would meet with the stakeholders. You would probably look at code. You would probably uh, meet with maybe lead developers or the CTO or something and come up with a plan that was customized to their actual situation. Have you ever done anything like that or tried that? Or how does it sound? Uh, I haven't uh, done it this way at all, uh, but but definitely this is an interesting approach. Uh, I would love to at least try it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that would help quite a bit. Um, the next, so then the next question I have is when, when someone comes to you, even the sort of disorganized, anybody, right? Like what is the biggest problem that they have? Like why are they even spending an hour talking to you? They must be experiencing some kind of pain. What is that pain and how do they describe it in their words? Uh, okay, uh, so uh, 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 from QA perspective, uh, uh, definitely the, the the pain which I have been hearing is that they don't want their end user or, or their end customers catch the issues. Okay, so uh, so so fifty so percent of the customers come with uh, uh, these uh, type of uh, uh, pains, 
and uh, they first approached me for like uh, uh, are you uh, uh, available to to do some manual testing or are you available to do some uh, automation testing convert the manual manual scripts to to, to an automated suit so that uh, uh, all the issues can be catched before uh, it goes to production okay uh, right so i have two challenges first is okay to understand this in this pain and, and uh, pain of not getting the bugs uh, like uh, uh, not not not, uh, not getting the bugs reaching the end customer and mm-hmm. second is i have to like uh, uh, make them aware that just uh, doing manual testing well or just doing an automation uh, testing so doesn't solve your problem it is an end to end problem right from the requirement stage till the uh, uh, till the feature is released to to, to the production so, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, so 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 this is the way i i actually try to tackle the uh, problems okay so you must have some confidence though or tell me if i presume you have some confidence that even manual or automated testing that is bolted on after the 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 feature is in production or the the software is in production it would reduce bugs somewhat yes yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, it will reduce uh, bugs somewhat. Uh, for example, uh, say uh, if a uh, if a product uh, has say uh, say twelve or, or ten bugs in their critical flow. Okay, so what I mean by critical flow in an application is uh, all uh, all the critical functions uh, of which which provides the end user the actual value of the product for mm-hmm. which that end user has paid for. Okay. Mm-hmm. That would be one. Second would be the sign up and setting up uh, the account for the customer. And third is any 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 payment interfaces or 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 or, or payment transactions, right? Mm-hmm. So 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 I I have actually reviewed quite a few uh, products and I've seen that they have like multiple uh, issues in this flow. It uh, it won't be like showstoppers, right? Mm-hmm. But 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 still these are uh, uh, issues which the end customer can also easily s- see. But uh, the quality uh, process is, uh, is so poor and weak; they cannot prioritize fixing those issues, right? Because already they have they have such uh, so many issues to tackle with, uh, uh, right? So, uh, uh, so, uh, uh, so, uh, so, so to uh, 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 answer your question, uh, uh, by automating the manual uh, test. I can reduce these six to eight. Uh, any anyone can reduce these six to eight issues to say say three or four or or two. But but still, you have those two or three issues which can Im- impact your uh, uh, in the end uh, the the revenue of the product, right? Mm-hmm. So and, uh, and 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 that and that is not the goal uh, uh, of the founder. Obviously, founder wants to have a world-class product uh, wants to provide world-class product experience so, well so, let's press pause right there though so so yeah. it's kind of like security there's no 100 percent. so right it's like a it's a question of resources and how much you know there's a, there, at some point there, it has to be good enough so and, and a founder is going to understand that they might not want that but they are going to if if you presented them with let's say you presented a founder uh who's got you know, bugs he's getting their critical path bugs the, it's embarrassing. Uh, you know they're spending. They know he, the founder is going to know exactly how much he or she is spending to acquire new users, and and then if they're I don't know churning or the conversion rates are low, lower than they think they should be because of these bugs, they could easily put a price tag on on fixing each one of these bugs. Um, if 
so you could say something like, um, all right, so we can do three options. Let's do this. Here's a project. You know, you've got all these critical path bugs and you know, it's costing you money. Here are three possible projects we could do. One is we could investigate where all of the bugs are, merely identify them, set up no testing, nothing. We just find all, all the ones that we can find as a baseline. Maybe this is a roadmap. Maybe it's part of a, maybe it's part of the project. Um, and you say, okay. Uh, and, and then you just know from experience, you have a lot of experience and you just know that you could have an option too, that for, uh, you know, for more money, we could cut the critical path bugs in half with manual uh, and automated testing that is just bolted on after the fact. And then as a third tier, you could say, you know, we can set things up in a way that is going to remove 90% of critical path bugs, or maybe 90% of bugs across the whole system or whatever, whatever, based on your experience, you are able to do once you know where the bugs are and you, and you could price them such that the the buyer can make a value-based decision about which one of those things they want so maybe identifying all the bugs is ten thousand dollars and maybe setting up automate uh, manual and then automated testing bolted on after the fact is i don't know twenty two thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars and then you know and that's that's to cut the bugs in half and then to get the bugs down by 90 percent or maybe 95 percent let's say uh it's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars so if you present the person with these three prices, 10,000, 50,000, and 150,000, they could very well say, you know, they want zero bugs, of course, but if they look at the prices and they're like, okay, this is a credible offer. I believe that they can do this. Uh, I just want to write a check and make it go away. I'll, I can write a check for $50,000 right now and cutting the bugs in half. I can justify that because if cutting the bugs in half will uh, give me a positive ROI on that investment. Does that, is that, tracking does that make is that realistic does that make sense uh yes uh, uh this makes sense uh, uh in the scenarios where uh, uh where a prospect is coming to me with with uh, with a whole sort of issues yes right mm -hmm. and do people come do people also come to you like sort of blue sky there's no product yet and they want you involved from the very beginning uh no uh, i also really uh don't actually uh, support that idea uh, because mm -hmm. unless and until they have tested their MVP mm -hmm. uh, and and they have few probably uh, a, a few beta customers, I think okay. the, that is where probably they should start investing. Okay, so that see that to me that is this is a very common scenario even with software development where it would be smart to hire a really high qualified professional as early as makes sense. But in reality, the people who have the really expensive problems, which are the ones that we can deliver high value to, are the ones that got themselves in over their heads, and now they've got something to lose. Uh, so people who ha have gone beyond an MVP and they're doing serious revenue on something that is stuck together with chewing gum and bailing wire, and now they're like, uh, oh, oh no, we've got all these critical bugs. Uh, we spent all this time in enterprise sales to land these we've got these five big fortune 500 clients we finally you know after six or 12 months we finally closed the deals they're a million dollars a year each in licensing fees 
and now their users are getting all of these show-stopping critical path but maybe not showstoppers but they're getting these critical path bugs that are embarrassing they're complaining we're afraid we're going to lose home depot or staples as a client and we spent thousands and thousands of dollars to get them in the first place maybe they're going to sue us to get out of the contract this is a person who has a very expensive problem and you probably can't come in and fix it the way they want you probably can't come in and fix it the way you want but if you can improve the condition significantly in their opinion then they're going to have money to invest in that they're going to want to spend they're going to want to write that check to say cut the bugs from 10 to 5 you know that's going to be worth a certain amount of money to them um, so it, is that how similar is that to your experience is it is are you typically getting contacted by people who have gotten themselves in over their heads and they've got paying customers and they're afraid they're going to lose them because they're embarrassed by these critical path bugs or is it is it more people who are just proactive and are, are are just they just know or maybe they're former software developers and you know they're technical founders and they just know they need good automated testing and so they're just smart and they're bringing you in before they have an actual problem uh, right so i think uh, uh, 60% of the customers are the one uh, who want to start uh, uh, the testing activities mm-hmm. and and these uh, and and uh, and I've seen a, a, a few uh, uh, prospects where, where where they have really uh, were struggling with their uh, QA. So there was this one customer of mine whom I'm still advising is where they they wanted to like uh, like uh, shift from a premise based product to 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 a multi tenant uh, product, and and along with that they had loads of issues the way we are discussing right now so yeah. so so these type of customers are like 25 30 percent but but most of the customers are one who want to have testing activities started yeah but the main challenge is uh, even uh, for those inquiries probably quite a few founders are, are not aware about uh, qa is just not doing some manual testing or, or doing some automation testing uh, uh, it's an uh, it, it covers the entire uh, spectrum right from the requirement phase so, so you're saying then, 60% of the people that come to you know they need QA but they think it's just like someone sitting at a computer like playing with the app yes uh, okay. yes, yes yes all right so i'm kind of, i'm a little bit and and can you describe like the size in with on some dimension of a company like that that maybe the most recent one that came to you like how many employees do they have do they have an mvp uh, how many customers do they have if so yeah so so typically it is it is like uh, they are already like at least uh, 18 to 24 months uh, into the product so 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 already they have few uh, customers as well uh, so so obviously they are uh, past their uh, uh, MVP uh, stage mm-hmm. and the strength is like on an average 25, 30, 20 to 25 would say on average uh, company strength. Like a number of employees? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's pretty good. And, and but they don't have any QA people or they've been doing it informally? Okay, uh, for companies uh, whose the strength is around like 10, 12, uh, there hasn't been uh, a single QA, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. and for, uh, for for twenty odd people, like uh, uh, a single QA person. I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they're just doing manual. It's not like the developers don't have automated tests built in. 
the developers uh, developers have a few of their unique tests but but definitely uh, no uh, end to end or integration or uh, automated uh, tests mm-hmm. and uh, the the main uh, uh, problem i have uh, have seen is the, they don't have a structured way of uh, ensuring uh, uh, quality mm-hmm. okay so uh, uh it is a bit disorganized the way uh, the, the 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 testing happens okay Pro- probably they don't realize it that uh, 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 it can be done in a more organized way so, mm-hmm. uh, but, but when when i looked at it okay you know uh, this can be improved in a mm. uh, to a lot better way okay so, so uh, this is a little bit of a tangent but it sounds like for 60% of your leads or customers or whatever prospects there might be appetite for for you to just organize set up you know help them hire a couple more qa people or whatever like here's here's what an organ here's what it would look like if it were organized i don't know if i'd call it a roadmap but it has a similar function where where you would come in and and they would say okay we need you know can we get i don't know like some of your employees to come in and just supplement the the one person we have doing manual testing we need like four more people like that can you do that and you'd say no we don't do that um, we do something that we believe is much more effective and a better investment long term but it's a little bit more set up up front or whatever whatever the difference is and and they're and if they're interested in hearing about that then you could say well you know we can do uh, a uh, um, sort of diagnostic and make if, you know, and present findings and recommendations based on your situation that costs $3,000 and it will give you a, really an organizational map of like, or, or a process map or whatever of, of what it would look like in a perfect world. And, and then how I would implement the pieces of this and in what order, if we were to work with you ultimately, and just give them like a customized plan for building out a robust QA function. Do you think people would be interested in that, like this this particular segment? Uh, yes, uh, very much so. Uh, uh, like, uh, uh, basically, basically, uh, uh, if they realize the the value they can get, uh, I don't think they would say no no to this. Okay, and ultimately, again, they probably it's pr- maybe unrealistic, but probably all of them want zero bugs in production, right? I mean, that's I feel that's probably pretty obvious. And so if you say, so if they, the, the conversation could be, you know, if they're saying like, well, no, we just, you know, we just want five more people like Alice to be testing the interface. You say, well, you know, industry-wide, that's only going to get you to 50% or 20% reduction in bugs, uh, especially with no process in place. It'd probably be less than 50% reduction, which means that half of all bugs are going through to your customers. Uh, and you can do that. If that's good enough, then just go hire more QA people. You don't need us. But if you want to get that number down closer to 90% reduction where, you know, you're getting whatever the number, you know, it's like you're getting maybe one bug in production a month or a year. If you want that, then you need to take a more sophisticated approach, a more thorough, organized approach to it. And that's where we come in. It would start with this QA roadmap product. It costs this much money. And at the end of it, you will, you'll know exactly which steps to take next and in what order and roughly how much it would cost, you know, at least order of magnitude. So they could prioritize, you know, and do the low hanging fruit stuff first, you know, the best bang for the buck stuff first. And presumably they would be highly likely to hire you to do that stuff, even though you'd be the most expensive option. So that feels like, 
but okay so does does that does that am i explaining that well yes uh, perfectly uh, and and it, it is uh, just not like reducing the bug it is like uh, reducing the uh, time so uh, and 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 that is also so very very valuable so uh, just imagine imagine like if uh, uh, if if any feature get de- uh, get delayed by say two two months and uh, and and we have a proper setup if the qa is at a train to uh, test in the particular way mm-hmm. and and if you can deliver that feature in just one month okay say two sprints instead mm-hmm. of four sprints mm-hmm. the value is enormous right yes that i totally agree i would i would hammer on both of those things because you know especially if they're you know in a situation where they're either you know, almost certainly either paying salary to the dev team or the engineering team or they've got some outside uh, agency doing the dev and so like cutting <laughs> cutting the 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 dev burn in half is yeah. dramatic right so that would be another great selling point i would think from for your assistance so okay so the project so if we're going to get back to value pricing the mm-hmm. project would be you know the you'd first do this roadmap as an independent thing it would just be priced the same for everyone there'd be no value pricing you just put it slap a price on it that you'd be perfectly happy or very happy to get paid to do and 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 that's it they just go they buy it don't buy it you don't care that's there's no discussion really it's just like hey you know here's the sales page uh if you want to get on the phone we can but i'm just going to tell you what's on the sales page so they they buy that they do that and then you'd present them with a three option proposal for you know it could possibly be phases of implementation or it could be three completely different levels of service where you know the the first level is sort of least attention from you the middle level is you know it's kind of like kind of like well something like oh you've got one qa person and the qa person and maybe the cto or something like that or the coo i'll coach them on working their way through this roadmap maybe that's like an option one and you know help you with hiring people because they're going to staff out the qa team instead of bringing in outsourced assistance maybe level two is you know some combination of your team doing the really tricky stuff and and while they're building out their team and doing the stuff that they can do implementing their their procedures as recommended by you and maybe the top one is um where you get you go all the way back to or you start getting involved with um with new features at the requirements phase and you start to bake in this qa approach the way that you think it should be in a perfect world into any upcoming features from the get-go and the prices for those three things would be you know if it's based on value it would depend on how much that stuff is worth to the client um, if it's if it's not based on value you would just price it really you just price them all really high so like way more than you would normally ask for and then if they say no then fine they go to someone cheaper if they say yes then you've got a lot of profit to work with and any any unexpected scope uh, increases you won't care about it's like not it's nothing to worry about right yeah um, so then, then it's not so we would completely get away from the month-to-month thing because there would be the the success metric would be we got to the end of the roadmap or we accomplished the desired outcomes of this option on the proposal you know the like say say it's the you know building out their team or something then you know it would be uh, you would want you would want to have a progress metric that you could control but it would be like oh you know you'll you will be done when there are you know you've got five people set up 
and this portion of the roadmap has been implemented. And maybe you think you would, it's going to take $1,000 worth of hours to do that, or let's say $5,000 worth of hours to get that done. And then you just double it and you say, okay, $10,000 and we'll get you this far down the roadmap or we'll participate in, in the uh, journey through the roadmap at this level. So that, that wouldn't be value priced. You're just like doubling what you would normally charge and hoping that the value was there and they, they would just say yes or no. Uh, if you, but you know, that's not my favorite. My favorite would be if by the end of the roadmap, you have learned that there's a, you know, multiple million dollar contracts at stake. And I've literally seen this with people who have some sort of software product that is supposed to be um, presenting some kind of information from like a, a national sports league. So let's just pick one at like the NFL. Maybe you've got the rights in Brazil to, uh, I don't know why people would watch American football in Brazil, but let's just say you've got the rights to um, broadcast the NFL or the, you've got the rights to broadcast the NFL games in Brazil uh, over this app that you've created. And there's a, it's a huge deal. You're getting tons of money from it. Uh, but the NFL insists on some level of quality assurance because they don't want any brand damage on them from some app, you know, small app developer in Brazil. And they'll sue you to death if there's, if, you know, there's lag or it's just a crappy experience or whatever. So they, they, someone like that would very much be interested in investing a hundred or five hundred thousand dollars in a reliable QA process that they felt like would allow them to uphold their obligations with this huge organization. So it's not it's not unreasonable to imagine finding someone who who really really is going to lose a lot of money from bugs or delayed feature releases or whatever the case may be, uh, and just say, hey, you know. And you just come in all confident, like I've been doing this for 20 years at a high level. We've got the expertise. We've got the team. Uh, you're not going to like it because it's not just manual testing. It's much more involved than that. But we can promise these outcomes. And it's really expensive. So, you know, if it's worth it to you, great. And then, then you can set a price based on value and then reverse engineer your scope to fit the prices. Yeah, uh, this makes uh, sense. Uh but uh, I have one doubt, like uh, uh, the way it happens uh, in uh, uh, software products is like uh, we, we, we start with an engagement, right? Mm-hmm. Then the features get built on say, say, every quarter on quarter basis. So apart from like doing QA for the new features, right? So, uh, so there are some regular uh, QA tasks. So, so, so it could be like, uh, regression testing it could be like uh, t- uh testing some bug fixes and all right mm-hmm. uh, uh I, I i'm a bit still confused uh, uh like for example say uh, uh i i provided a value-based pricing for say feature a but at the same time uh, i have some this uh daily regular task of uh of some doing some regression testing so mm-hmm. how to price these regular tasks yeah, that sounds like, so in other words, if I could rephrase that, it's like you're doing this this new groundbreaking work where you're creating new processes and, and testing approaches, not approaches, but you're implementing this architecture, this QA architecture. And then there's the ongoing running of the machine that you created, right? 
Yes, perfect. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's support and maintenance. Yes, and, I support that. Right. So that's low margin work. Nobody wants to pay for that, really. You know, it's certainly not as exciting or critical. Um, so there's really two things you could do. One is to price that so that it's so expensive, price that independently on a, mm. on a monthly basis in a way that is more expensive than hiring someone to do it manually. And that will put incentive on them to actually just hire an employee to run the machine so you don't have to run the machine. And while they are hiring, you're getting paid very well to do to run the machine, the support and maintenance. Uh, and then when they, they hire someone, it could be part of the part of the service is that when they find someone, or maybe you help them find someone, and they bring on that employee, and they, you know, and you part of the handoff, uh, you guys help with the handoff, train the person, and that would justify the premium they're getting paid for the support and maintenance, because it's not just doing it. It's also bringing on and training onboarding and uh, potentially even managing these new QA employees that you would be bringing on for them. So yeah, yeah. that would per perhaps be a way to do it, but I wouldn't value price it. I would just, I would just, it's just it, like, Hey, if you want us to do, you know, if you want us to mop the floors for you and fix the broken windows, it's going to be super expensive because we're the architect. We're not the janitor. <laughs> we're not the handyman. And you can just move upstream as a, as a business by pricing mm -hmm. the low end work, you know, more, more expensively then they could just find someone to do it and incentivize them to build a team that can do that that daily maintenance work. I mean, if they've already got 20 employees, they probably should have a couple of more QA people if it's a daily task. It would probably save them money, right? Yeah, uh, that's correct. And uh, but but eventually, uh, once uh, uh, the company implements the, the QA practices, and, and it, it is a continuous improvement process. So it's not like overnight, uh, everything would fall in place. So it, it would get take like three months, six months, or even like 12 to 15 months to, 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 re, to reach a at a very good maturity level. And in fact, uh, uh, once uh, so, the sorry, company- to reach a what level? To reach a, a, a very good QA maturity level. Uh, how, would you know, to... how would you know when it was mature? Okay, uh, where uh, the company uh, releases are predictable, uh, happening on time, mm -hmm. the, uh, uh, the number of, critical bugs uh, are minimalistic in fact zero in uh, uh, in production mm -hmm. yeah there's your success and, that's your success success metric for the project yes the, mm -hmm. uh, that is my success ma matrix uh, mm -hmm. uh, then uh, all the qa tasks are 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 happening on time so so what i mean by that is like uh, most most of the companies are focusing on completing the uh, dev implementation task and 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 writing say uh, uh, updating the automated pace the, that's kept on the back radar or, or, or in the or in the backlog mm -hmm. but if, if you do, do both these uh, activities in parallel at the same time mm -hmm. right uh, then uh, uh, even even the maintenance part like like doing the regressions and uh, bugs obviously would be less uh, these uh, uh, these activity the time spent on these activities will reduce drastically and in fact it will go into an automated mode mm -hmm. uh, that is what i mean to say uh, so oh it would it would become purely automated uh, yes the regression and and all that uh, that that process can become sort uh, can go into an uh, auto mode okay so they wouldn't need employees to keep doing it on a daily basis they uh, they won't require employees with uh, really great expertise in that 
uh, in that case, or 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 they can manage it uh, with lesser number of employees. Okay, so I would just so that so as you are doing it, as your team is doing it manually to re- to reach the success metric, I would just it would just be something you did under the 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 promise of the project. So it would just be I would just lump it into the price. But I think what we're I think the thing that is usually a disconnect for someone because you know you said at the very beginning it's like well I don't know how many hours it's going to be for that stuff yeah even though you said it averages two hundred so you kind of do but yeah. you just price it so high that that was fine right and then and then at the end this is the success metric at the end is all of those things you listed you're at a, a very high maturity level with your QA process we designed and built a system that is working and now it, it, it with the intention of leaving like you don't want to be there forever doing this low level running the machine work you want to get out of there and go get another giant client exactly yeah so for value pricing you want it to have an end you, you it has to have an end so the the end okay. is you've reached this you know pinnacle of QA maturity system uh, and it looks like this, like your existing team is able to like run the system. The bugs are down to zero, um, you know, so all the things you listed and that's going to be a million dollars. If that's what you want, it's a million dollars. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you don't care about 200 hours a month for an extra three months or whatever. Yeah. 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 I think that makes sense. So, um, Okay, so what do, we, what do we talk about so far? We've talked about road mapping to decrease uncertainty at the beginning. We talked about finding clients who have a very expensive problem, like for, for whom bugs in production are really, really bad. And you guys presenting yourselves as like the, you know, hey, if you, wanna, if you want someone to just do, if you want bodies to do manual testing, we are not your people. If you want to, to have a... Uh, mature QA organization that allows you to release features twice as fast and and collapse your bugs in production by 95%. Yeah, we're the people. Like it's going to it's going to be expensive, but it's going to be worth it. You can justify the investment because you've got these really uh, either really big customers that are thinking about leaving or you've got these contracts with big companies that uh, you know have these uh, that were hard to get and are going to cost you millions if you lose them. So the trick, the trick, I guess, with any value pricing is finding people with really, really expensive problems because then the value is super high. And then there's a lot more leeway between your costs and their value. So you can set prices all over the place and everybody's happy as long as you, you know, and as long as you know what you're doing, what you do. So cool. Uh, then there's one other thing that I wanted to touch on. Uh, you mentioned that sort of 60% of your startup clients are in this category where they have maybe 20 employees. They've got some customers they are a little bit beyond MVP, but they're not way into a monolithic, you know, it's not Salesforce, right? It's not this giant thing. So what, what about that other 40%? Let's talk about that for just a minute. Uh, the 40% that's in over their head, what do they look like? Uh, okay, uh, okay. So uh, the uh, uh, other like 30 or 40% are the ones uh, who have uh, like uh, uh, existing QA, QA problems. Okay, so uh, uh, either they want to do some uh, uh, transformation of, uh, of the product, that is one. Okay, mm-hmm. second is they have uh, this uh, uh, enormous uh, issue with their quality, uh, and 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 they don't have a clue how to 
uh, how, how how to go about it uh, mm-hmm. how to uh, fix it mm-hmm. uh, right uh, and, and 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 they just probably think uh, that having a separate qa testing team uh, hiring uh, and doing some automation stuff uh, they can overcome this challenge mm-hmm. yeah but but they think that's just going to be a bunch of bodies like doing manual tests or do they are they at least more sophisticated than that they understand that uh, yes uh, automation uh, uh, testing is required mm-hmm. and in fact uh, quite a few uh, uh, like uh, the decision makers uh, they are very very specific okay uh, I, I, I want to have you you come, uh, coming in and and like implementing automation tests okay so uh, and and they think that like automating the uh, testing process would would solve their problems because automation would would reduce time it will catch bugs in the uh, uh, in the earlier phases but mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, and 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 i have like uh, done this type of work uh, before i came to know about you right mm-hmm. but uh, but now i'm positioning in a different way i'm saying that just doing this work is not sufficient this is nothing but hand work but mm-hmm. what we have to first uh, clear is the thought process that the mind and, and and first we have to understand why the mess is uh, there in the first place yeah, yeah. And, and 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 these are just tools and uh, in fact uh, after like going through through your articles and through your podcast i i, I just reflected back uh, the, the way we were uh, the way i was working Uh, in the corporate world uh, for the big finance uh, companies like where uh, uh, for example uh, uh, the trading platforms uh, in these big finance companies where for every minute or a second there were like million dollar transactions and and we cannot afford even a major bug over there mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so uh, so so the systems uh, 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 were in place the, the the thought process was was correct and and this is the exactly what is missing in Uh, in some of the companies uh, 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 like have encountered especially in the startup world mm. yeah i mean the the problem with the startup world is it's going to be harder to find companies that have a really expensive problem yeah right right like the one you just described like a million dollars a second is like <laughs> okay you don't want that down that's worse than like that's worse than amazon being down on black yeah. friday yeah so just just think about a, a facebook ipo getting launched And, and 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 if your system just goes haywire right <laughs> you, you can understand the environment right. of the right thing. right so so for someone you know you or anyone listening who wants to create leverage in their business through value pricing it's just one way to price it's just one way to create leverage but if you want to sort of increase your income you know your profitability value pricing is a good way to do it okay. the thing you the the thing that is it is dependent on though is finding bigger and bigger expensive problems. So, you know, and what does that mean? It usually means bigger customers. It usually means customers that have more budget, more at risk. Mm-hmm. They they have like the buying power needs to be there. If the buying power is not there, there's nothing they can do. Right. So, you know, the my my max price formula is like desire times money divided by options. So they need to have a really intense desire for the outcome that you can provide. you know quicker releases and fewer bugs they you know and that is going to be multiplied by how much money they have so if this desire is at a 10 money is at a 10 they've got that's like that's like a huge numerator right like a giant number 
and then that's divided by options. So you've got this giant number in the numerator, but it's divided by the number of options they have. So if they're willing to spend a million dollars to solve this problem, they're to satisfy this desire, but they perceive that they have a hundred options, then somebody in that list of hundred options is going to undercut someone else and someone else and someone else, and they're going to be able to get a better price for what they perceive to be the same outcome. So the, uh, I guess the other trick, so you need to find bigger and bigger companies that have more and more expensive problems, and you need to be perceived as the only option or one of the very few options. And that's a hundred percent positioning, uh, exercise. So they come across your name. Every, they ask around, Oh, I've got this giant problem. They ask around, everybody points to you. So you got to talk to these guys and you're like, and they're like, all right, let's talk to them. And then you show up and you're like super credible and have tons of experience. And you've got maybe, um, this road mapping thing that they could sort of test the waters with like, ah, oh, 5,000 bucks. That's nothing. Yeah. Let's do that. And all of a sudden they're like, wow, these guys really know what they're doing. These guys and gals really know what they're doing. And then, but then you say, all right, well, here's the roadmap. We can give you a proposal. The options are going to be a hundred thousand, 220,000 and 500,000. And the outcomes at each option are going to look like this, that, and the other. And they're going to be like, uh, yeah, we can make this happen. When can you start? So that that's what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think, you, you did just hit the nail on, uh, on its head uh, uh, with this value proposition. Uh, but uh, one more thing, if I may add, sure. even for startups, like uh, probably they have their targets on site, say, say one, or one year down the line, they have to go beyond series A or series B. They want to achieve those, those numbers, the MRR or ARR, mm -hmm. whatever those numbers are, right? Right. Uh, right. And, 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 if I can like uh, educate them that that implementing this process, okay, uh, maybe through an initial roadmap, uh, will that work? It's that's the opposite of what I do. Like when I hear someone say educating the client, it sounds like trying to convince them that there's value okay. in what you do. What I would rather I do the opposite is try and talk them out of hiring me. So okay, they say we really need to bring you in. And you'd say, why? It's like, oh, we've got too many bugs. And you'd say, so what? Like, is that costing you any money? Well, it's just embarrassing. Like, well, that's not that bad. Like, just get used to it. Like, it's going to cost you a hundred grand minimum to work with us. Like, or, you know, whatever. You can just throw numbers out or you can just say, well, uh -huh. we're really expensive. Like, we really work with people who've got real problems. They're not just embarrassed. And you need to have the client convince you and themselves that there's a connection between what you do and those downstream MRR numbers that they want. There's like a, a million ways that you and I could imagine, you know, at least a dozen ways you and I could imagine a mature QA system being in place might lead to those numbers. But what we think doesn't matter. The buyer needs to convince you that they see a connection between what you do and the outcome that they want. And you need to be confident that you can do your part, like that they're not, they're not crazy. So, you know, in your content marketing, Maybe if you're blogging or if you YouTube channel or a mailing list or a podcast, that's where you do your educating. That's the educational mm -hmm. content marketing. That's where you do your educating. And then people come to you and they've already drunk the Kool-Aid. They already know, like, this is what we need to do. We need, we need to have a mature QA process. Otherwise, we're just amateurs. We're just farting around. We're just taking giant risks. And, you know, and so if you want to educate people, do it for free at scale with your content. Uh, but once you get into a sales, like a prospect comes in, I do the, I 
180 degrees different. Like, why not not hire someone like me? Why not just get two more people like Alice to just manually test it? Why not uh, take that feature out? Why not just cut that whole module out, start from scratch? Why not do all of these other cheaper things, all the other options, all the other alternatives? Why not do any of those other things? And they need to tell you why they think none of those things will work why they have no choice but to hire you and then you mm -hmm. take notes on what they said and you put it right in the proposal you're like currently you've got a successful mvp you've got x dollars of mrr you want to uh, in the future you want to quadruple that but you know you can't because uh, you keep sending these massive bugs to production it's taking longer and longer to release features your uh, investors are getting more and more impatient uh, you brought us in because we were recommended by your colleague for whom we delivered a huge home run. And there, here are three ways that we could possibly work together. So they need to connect the dots for you about why it would make sense for them to invest the money. Like I think of it like I think of it like when I'm in the meeting, I think of the one way to think of it is like the client is like your mom and you don't don't want to take her money unless this is really going to be a good investment, you know, and then maybe you'd consider doing it. Or another way to look at it is that the buyer, let's say it's the founder of the startup, that the founder is the founder and you are their VC or their board member. And they need to convince you why they should hire, spend a bunch of money to bring in a professional QA consultant. So don't think of yourself as the person who's trying to land the deal. Think of yourself as the person who doesn't want to spend the money and make them convince you why it might be a good idea. And then the, the proposal is just like, you just write down what they said and they'll almost definitely say, if the prices are anywhere near in the ballpark, they'll, they're definitely going to do it. I think I'm, I'm, I'm not perfectly in sync with what you're saying. Yeah. I, I think that's how it should be. If, if you want to go the value-based path, sure. Yes. Yeah. If that's the way you want to go. Yeah. Right. There's a whole, I mean, you could do a whole other thing that was like, I mean, we don't need to get into it. It's much easier to understand, though. You could get into a whole thing of just uh, doing these roadmaps and, you know, renting out your team by the month for uh, at a very high profit and just do like a productized service where you're like a support and maintenance company where you handle Q. I mean, I don't think you want to do that, but you could. People probably do it, you know, just have a productized service and never touch value pricing again and just work on optimizing your cost structure so that your month, the monthly money that you're bringing in from these QA jobs is just super profitable. That'd be another way to do it. Or you could just go another route you could go is just training organizations and your current competitors on your, you know, proprietary process, like your formula for creating a, a QA team. You could do is create a certification program. <laughs> so there's like a million things you could do with the expertise that you have. Yeah. Yeah. But right. if you, yeah, if you want to stay in the consulting space and do high ticket, uh, high ticket value priced sort of projects, then, then that's what we talked about today. Yeah, I think uh, uh, that was great. Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. Cool. Great. Any other questions before we wrap up? Uh, no, I think I, I got uh, most of them covered. Great. All right. Well, where can people go to find out more about you? Maybe they know someone who needs a mature QA system put in place. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, pristineprotech.com. Uh, cool. I'll put that in the show notes in case it's hard to spell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I will ping you. Okay, great. All right, folks. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I hope you join me again next time for Ditching Hourly. Bye. Hey, Jonathan again. 
Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com call. Hope to see you there.